Good evening to you all. It is a pleasure and a privilege uh, to be with you at this time. Um, been a couple of times here before. Can't remember when, but uh, a couple of times here before, and uh, always enjoyed worshiping with you. So our prayer is that the Lord will be with us this weekend, and He will bless us. I was given an intimation to say at the end, but I'm going to be naughty and say it at the beginning uh, because I won't remember. And uh, just that there's a house fellowship tonight at Ali's house, and uh, you're all welcome. Okay. If I remember at the end, I'll say it again. But uh, to to said, when we come to worship God. We sing to his praise in Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Sing the whole psalm. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth. His praise forth tell. Come ye before him and rejoice. We'll sing to God's praise. before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, 
our gracious and eternal God, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we bless you that we are able to come and to gather in this way and at this time and to remember that the Lord our God is good and that his mercies endure forever and that your truth has always stood and will always stand. Lord, what comfort we take in the knowledge that we have your sure and eternal word, that word that is certain, that word that is unchanging, because it is the word of an unchanging and unchangeable God. And we bless you that what was written all those centuries ago is as true today as it was then. And your promises are as sure and secure as they ever were and as they ever will be. We bless you that you are not a God who changes. You have no need to change. There is no plan B because plan A never goes wrong. And we thank and praise you tonight that we are able to come before you in worship and at the outset of a communion season where we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted and that he might have all the preeminence and all the glory. How we bless you for him. How we bless you for our risen Saviour, our crucified and risen Saviour. The one who gave himself in order that we might have life. Who gave his very being in order that we might possess eternal life. That our sins might be forgiven. And through his blood we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. We pray, gracious God, enable us to to love you with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Give us a love for one another. Give us a love for our neighbours. Give us a love, Lord God, that is prayerful and a love that is humble and a love that is gracious and a love that uh, desires to see sinners come to Christ. Lord, you have been so good to us. Each and every one can testify that goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our life. And we have the hope that as we trust in Jesus, we will live in the Lord's house forever. Uh, We bless you that this communion season, like every communion season, is is a foreshadowing of that great marriage supper of the Lamb, uh, when Christ uh, will dwell with his people and his people with him, and that that is a fellowship that will never end. These communion seasons, like like the days and the years of our lives, they come and they go, But you, Lord, endure forever, and the promises you make to your people are forever. And we take such comfort in these things, in a world of trouble, in a world of disarray, in a world of many heartaches and sorrows, as well as many joys that we're able to share together. Lord, we give thanks that you are promising to build a people for yourself. You're building a church, adding to it daily such as should be saved. And we pray, gracious God, that as you continue to be at work even here, in this place, in this community, in this congregation, uh, continuing to add to the the congregation here, Lord, we bless you for every encouragement. We pray that you would remember each and every one uh, associated with the congregation. We remember the minister and pray that you would be with him at this time with his family, uh, with the elders, with the deacons, with the members, with the adherents, their families, Lord, all that all that we know and who are close to us, Lord, we pray 
that your gracious spirit would be outpoured upon each and every one, that you would draw near to us, that you would meet with us, even as we meet with you at the table this weekend. Lord God, may we know that we have indeed been in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, for you promise that you will be here in the midst when we gather in your name. And as we gather in your name now this night, we ask that you would speak to us. We pray that you would draw near to us. We pray that you would enrich us and encourage us and help us and support us in every way and that you would enable us to uh, come again pledging ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, devoting ourselves to his service and seeking to walk in faithfulness and obedience to him all the days of our life. We pray then, draw near to us, pardon every sin, honour and glorify your own name, for we ask everything in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. We'll sing again to his praise, sing this time in Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Perhaps it was remiss of me not to introduce myself for anybody that doesn't know me. My name is Murdo McLeod. I'm the minister at Nairn Free Church. And it's a a pleasure to be on on the wrong side of the the firth. Um, But uh, you've got the sunshine here as well. So it's nice to to see that the sun's shining here too. Uh, Psalm 147. Oh, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing him songs of praise. How pleasant to give thanks to him for all his gracious ways. Uh, We sing verses 1 to 7 of Psalm 147. We sing to God's praise.
Turn with me please to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We can read from verse 21. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. But I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Amen. May the Lord bless to us the reading of his own holy word, and to his name be the praise and the glory. Uh, We sing again to his praise this time in Psalm 89, Psalm 89, and at verse 13, Thou hast an arm that's full of power, thy hand is great in might, and thy right hand exceedingly exalted is in height, and so on to verse uh, 18, Uh, we sing to God's praise.
turn with me again please to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. We can read again at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. It is a a great privilege to come to a communion season. Uh, It's a tremendous opportunity to withdraw ourselves from uh, other concerns that we might have and to uh, kind of switch off from from those even for um, perhaps a, a couple of days Um, where we can and focus somewhat on the the love of Christ and uh, the grace of Christ and his devotion to his Father and to his people. Um, And as we we gather here as his people, uh, it's our hope and our prayer that our own devotion toward him might increase and that as we gather around the, the remembrance of him as he has commanded us to do so we pray that our love and our devotion for Christ might only be increased um, we are called on to examine ourselves uh, in the light of the Lord's Supper let a man examine himself and so let him come or a woman, a boy, a girl and so let them come so let them come and come and eat and come and drink and commemorate what Christ has told us to commemorate we know that he loves us uh, as his people Uh, we know that uh, like Paul we can say he loved me and he gave himself for me and every single one of the Lord's people can rejoice in that tonight and be humbled by that tonight Um, perhaps uh, that's certainly certain perhaps what we need to ask ourselves is do I love him do we love him what's the great mark of obedience what's the the great mark of our love it's obedience if you love me keep my commandments do we faithfully seek to keep Christ's commandments to be obedient to his word one of the things we're doing this weekend is, is seeking to be obedient to him he's told us do this in remembrance of me and if you're a believer here tonight and you're not intending to be at the table tomorrow then let me say you're being disobedient because Jesus Christ himself has said do this in remembrance of me and that's a, a command to his people it's not a request it's not a suggestion do this in remembrance of me let me encourage you if you're a believer and maybe for whatever reasons cultural, personality, whatever uh, you've never felt the desire, the strength, the faith to go forward to the Lord's table, please remember it's a command of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe we think about him, we think about his love, his grace, his devotion, and as I say, what I want us to think about, and and keep on thinking about this weekend, is not just his devotion toward us and his love for us, but our love for him. 
let me come and uh, accompany you for a while thinking about this passage before us tonight thinking about Martha and Mary these two sisters from Bethany just outside Jerusalem and uh, if we can break down what I want to say just into two simple headings wrong priorities and right priorities wrong priorities and right priorities fairly straightforward and uh, hopefully as the Lord will enable us we can think about those things tonight and keep in mind the Lord's love for us and our love for him so let's think in the the first place as he will enable us about the wrong priorities and here we find ourselves particularly focusing on Martha uh, the the older of the two sisters Um, it's described here as Jesus is welcomed into her house perhaps she's the oldest um, maybe Martha, Martha and Mary don't actually live together maybe they live next door to each other but it's described as her house we don't know is she a widow we don't know her circumstances um, what we know is that they're obviously a popular and well respected family in this community and when we come to the story of how their brother dies we see uh, just how the, the community rallies round them at that time and how the the Jews come to to comfort uh, Martha and Mary in their loss but we'll not look at that tonight Um, Jesus loves these people um, which is a a beautiful thing Um, we'll read more about that in John chapter 11 he loves their brother Lazarus who doesn't feature in this um, section here tonight but again perhaps we'll be able to come back to, to him and they entered this Jesus and his disciples as they went on their way verse 38 they entered the village and a woman named Martha welcomed them into her house and that would be no small thing if if the 12 disciples were all um, accompanying Jesus at this time or even some of them that, that's a lot that's a, a lot of people that she's welcoming into her house um, a very hospitable woman clearly uh, it's funny, it's, it's one of these things, sometimes you, you, somebody says something about the scripture that you think, I've never, I've never spotted that before. And uh, I was reading something by Tim Chester recently, and he said, have you ever thought about how many times in the gospel of Luke, Jesus and food go hand in hand? And Jesus and food, you'll remember that his detractors uh, called him a glutton, and a wine-bibber, somebody that loved drinking wine um, we can't comment on uh, whether that was, these were fair comments or not but that seemed to be the, the way they, were, they, they accused uh, John the Baptist disciples of being very uh, meagre with such things but you lot you're always eating and drinking and as he goes through the gospel of Luke you know, Jesus spends a lot of his time either eating or drinking um, there's parables about banquets there's heaven is compared to a banquet there's the Lord's Supper itself uh, Tim Chester points out Luke's gospel is full of stories of Jesus eating with people Luke chapter 5 he eats with tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi Luke chapter 7 he is anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal 
In Luke 9, he feeds the 5,000. In Luke 10, he eats in the home of Martha and Mary, like we've got here. Luke 11, he condemns the Pharisees and teachers of the law at a meal. Luke 14, Jesus is at a meal when he urges people to invite the poor to their meals rather than just inviting their friends. Luke 19, he invites himself to dinner with Zacchaeus. In Luke 22, we have the Last Supper. In Luke 24, the risen Christ has a meal with the two disciples in Emmaus and then later goes, well, appears in Jerusalem where he eats fish with the disciples. It's quite amazing, isn't it? When you, you don't think about it when you're reading through the Gospel of Luke, but Robert Caris uh, reads all this stuff and says, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal or he's at a meal or he's just coming from a meal. He seems to be eating a lot and that should be instructive for us even from the outset just thinking about the place that food can play and meals and hospitality plays in the building up of the church and if Jesus used it as a it's an everyday thing obviously Jesus uses it as a, a means of his spreading the word meeting with people engaging with people you and I uh, probably need to remember that too and learn from the the master in that way as well as in many other ways Uh, he enjoys a meal at this time with Martha and Mary and tomorrow we have the privilege of sitting around his table again and sharing a meal with Jesus, his supper as he has commanded us to do now we can see that this Martha she clearly is hospitable she's the, the, the broad picture we pick up from her in scripture she's loving, she's caring, she's friendly uh, she's helpful, she has a servant spirit all these things are great all great, all good things she's definitely not lazy you know, to take in however many of um, Jesus and his disciples at this time uh, say is, is no small achievement um, and she is busy about much serving is what we read in verse 40 she's busy about much serving um, and she seems to be left to serve it alone uh, which is what becomes the the thrust of this short little section here isn't it it implies there's a lot of people in she's got a lot on and she's just starting to get perhaps a bit overwhelmed by it now there's, there's nothing wrong nothing wrong with being busy for the Lord nothing wrong at all with being busy for the Lord for being active in the Lord's service um, here she is she's wonderful, selfless, generous sharing what she has with others I don't suppose it would come cheap either but what she has she, she uses in the Lord's service at this time these things should challenge us and encourage us uh, to think that way as well it reminds us too that you know, many ministries that we might engage in as believers uh, require a degree of training require a degree of expertise I had to go to to college for three years to to learn the the rudiments of what it is to be a minister we keep getting sent on courses in service training uh, things like these Um, not everybody's got the time or the inclination or the, the, the will to do that kind of thing and serve in ministry in that kind of way But all God's people, every single one of us is called on to to minister for Christ according to different gifts and abilities 
and skill sets. And some things are within reach of us all. Some things are within reach of us all, depending on health and age and circumstances and ability. Hospitality is relatively easy, isn't it? We all feed ourselves every day. We all feed ourselves every day. Perhaps this passage should encourage us to think are there more ways in which we can use that, in which I can use that, for the spread of the gospel. You don't have to go to HTC to learn how to give somebody a cup of tea, do you? There's things that are within the reach of even the, the simplest believer to be visitor-friendly, whether that's in your own home, whether that's in the congregation, to fellowship with other people, invite folk for a meal, for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a glass of cold water, Jesus says, given in his name is a great blessing. It's not difficult. A bed for the night, perhaps, sometimes. It needn't be lavish and extravagant and over-the-top which is possibly Martha's mistake here, isn't it? She seems to she seems to overdo it in her exuberance or in her in her desire to, to be helpful. She's burdened here, distracted with much serving. And it's getting that balance that's so important that she gets the balance wrong on this occasion. She gets her priorities wrong. She goes too far here and it's going to earn her for all her kindness and for all her generosity it's going to earn her the rebuke of Jesus and the, the kind of oh, slow down from Jesus it's so important to be balanced She, it seems she wants to do something for grand for Jesus when something less would have done this needs were human but they weren't so great that she had to get herself worked up the way that she does here food is important but the word of God is more important and she fails here to get her priorities right and fails to get the the balance right the Sermon on the Mount Jesus reminds us not to get obsessed about food not to get obsessed about clothing what am I going to eat tomorrow what am I going to wear tomorrow the birds, the flowers, the plants, they don't worry about such things and the Lord provides for them all. There's a place, obviously, for forward planning, but not to obsess about it. It would seem that on this occasion, at least, Martha has kind of got things off balance a bit. The Lord will provide. Martha wants to feed Jesus, which is great. Her sister Mary wants to be fed by Jesus. And there's, there's a huge difference there, isn't there? A huge difference in what happens that night or that day, whatever it is, and how the Lord responds to it. They're both devoted to Christ. But there's a, a, a difference in their priorities and there's a difference in where they find the balance on this occasion. Perhaps Mary feels that at this point enough has been prepared, enough has been done in terms of getting the, the food ready. Now it's time to sit and listen and learn and love the Lord Jesus and love his words and to to grow her devotion for him, to savour the time, perhaps a very short time, that she has with Christ and she's going to be commended by the end of the passage that she 
has taken the, the better and the more balanced approach on this occasion. Many of us perhaps need to learn the balance of being busy in Christ's service along with the, the discipline of being quiet and still in Christ's service also. And sometimes it's vice versa. And we can we can be very good on the being quiet and still and not so good at being active in Christ's service. And perhaps this passage has something to teach us about the balance that we need to find there. And I think one of the things we're supposed to take away from this is that our relationship with Jesus is far more important than our activity for Jesus. And all our activity for Jesus has to be grounded in our love and devotion for him. And as we recall, his love and devotion for us, as communion times enable us to do, isn't it a good time to stop and to think, have I got the balance right? Am I doing what I am able to do in Christ's service, whatever that is? And it would be different probably for every single one of us. Again, depending age, circumstances. Am I doing enough for him? Am I doing too much for him? And is it all grounded in my love for him? And do I take the time to know him and the time to be alone with him? And the time to make sure that it's that relationship that's right and any activity I'm involved in springs out of that. It's possible to be in the in the position where we can be so busy for Jesus that we never really take the time to cultivate our relationship with Jesus. And that's maybe something uh, some of us need to learn. Somebody said to me once, if you're too busy to read your Bible and to pray, then you're busier than God wants you to be. And I think that, that was a timely lesson for me. It's a, it's a simple truth. But sometimes we need to learn even these simple lessons over and over again. The Lord of the work comes before the work of the Lord. The Lord of the work comes before the work of the Lord. And that was something Martha had to learn on that occasion. It's something that it's a blessing to us if we take the time tonight, tomorrow, just to remind ourselves about the Lord himself and to be sure that what we do is all grounded in our love for him and our devotion to him. Say Martha loves the Lord Jesus. I don't doubt that for a moment. And yet she ends up here being rebuked by Jesus. She gets rebuked by Jesus. Verse 41. Martha. Martha. I'd love to know the tone in his voice as he says these things. Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about many things. And she's just troubled about her attitude to, to Mary. And she even seems to be troubled about her attitude to him, to Jesus himself. She's troubled, it would seem, about relatively needless things while neglecting needful things. Uh, things that it's good to care about at other times and in other contexts perhaps but it's a sin for her to be so anxious at this time about these things I don't know I try and and put it into a kind of modern context and imagine the the kitchen 
through from the, the sitting room where the, perhaps everybody's sitting and Martha out there somewhere in the kitchen and you know as she's getting more and more agitated maybe the, the banging and the crashing and the thumping and the <clears throat> is getting louder and louder and what's she fretting about I don't know is she fretting is there going to be enough food am I going to be able to keep it hot is it tasty enough are they going to like it I've got enough dishes who's cleaning up the dishes here is there sibling rivalry going on is she a wee bit jealous of Mary I don't know has she been bossy towards Mary I don't know I've certainly known houses yeah, better not grass off my big sister here but uh, I remember we had a big sister and then there was me and a younger brother and uh, I don't know if it's because she was the older or because she was the girl but she seemed to be having to do more than than we were having to do maybe that was the culture of the time I don't know but it's not fair why is it always me it's not them why aren't they having to do it that's the way I'm imagining Martha being with with me she grew out of it let me say before I'm accused of slandering her Um, that's the way I'm picturing Martha here with Mary she's she's getting more and more annoyed that Mary's not doing her fair share of the work but all the time she should be encouraging Mary to listen to Jesus she should be listening herself and she should be saying to Mary you're doing a good thing there Mary that's great that's what I should be doing as well and I should be spending more time listening to Jesus not encouraging her to to leave him I don't know if she feels Mary's been hyper spiritual here sometimes we can be in danger of thinking if somebody's more spiritual than me then they're being too spiritual you know, because I've got the balance right and they haven't perhaps Mary feels my work is already done certainly it seems to be that Jesus praises her for what she's doing which is taking the time now to, to sit devotedly at the feet of Jesus it's too easy for even believers to fall out because they get stressed perhaps you, you know that temptation can happen can't it we can even get narky with God's people if we're overworked or we're tired and we get grouchy and we get touchy about things that we wouldn't otherwise let bother us um, I can't help feeling if Martha was sitting at Jesus feet alongside Mary there wouldn't have been this commotion there wouldn't have been this spirit uh, come into the fellowship there um, and isn't it true that the more we worship together the more we study God's word together the more we pray together the more we fellowship together the, the, the more good things come into our relationships than bad things very hard to, to pray for somebody that you're really angry with or to, or to be angry with somebody that you regularly pray with and you understand what they're like and what makes them tick and what they're going through at any given point wouldn't it be the case perhaps if we're more devoted to Jesus together that it cuts out a lot of the petty squabbling and stuff that might be going on even here in this home at this time she's annoyed with, with Mary she's got her priorities wrong she's annoyed with Mary but amazingly it seems she's even a bit annoyed with Jesus himself which is an incredible thought isn't it um, you don't care do you not care? You've seen what's going on. 
do something about it. Don't let her off with it. Why? Why are you tolerating this? That seems to be her kind of attitude, isn't it? She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her to help me. She, she seems to be getting petulant with Jesus while Mary is, um, sorry, while, while she's telling Jesus what she wants to say, Mary's listening to what Jesus wants to say. And Mary's obviously chosen the better road. And here's Martha ordering Jesus about. Tell her to help me. It's incredible, isn't it? She's telling him what to do. Tell her, Lord, tell her to help me. What a mess we get in when devotions are missed. What a mess we get in the further we drift away from Jesus. That's what communion seasons do, apart from anything else. They, they enable us to come back and to focus again on Christ himself and to remember him and to make sure that our priorities and our attitudes and our mindset is focused in the right place and on the right person relationship with him far more important than our activity for him the lord of the work far more important than the work of the lord and i hope it is something we can uh, focus on and remember this weekend he comes first i must decrease says john the baptist he must increase that should always be our, our set of priorities Martha's not bad. She's she's not a bad person. She really isn't. But on this occasion, at least, Mary has chosen better. Mary is doing better. Today, Martha got the balance wrong. But I think, as we'll maybe see, there's other times her heart's in exactly the right place. And Jesus is very happy with her. There's times to be quiet. There's times to learn. There's times to, to worship. There's times for activity. And we need, as individuals and as churches, as congregations, we need Martha's spiritual practicality and we need Martha's, Mary's practical spirituality. There's a balance. There's a balance. Today, Martha's got the balance wrong. She's got her priorities wrong. But in the second place, Mary has got her balance and priorities right. Right. So think about Mary just for a few moments. Martha seems to feel that Mary's been a poor hostess. Jesus knows that she's not. Jesus knows Mary has got absolutely the right balance here on this occasion. She's made the right choice. Mary has chosen the good portion and it won't be taken away from her. She's not going to be the loser in this. She's made the right choice. How we need wisdom. You and I need wisdom to make these right choices. She, Mary wants to know more about what Jesus is all about. What he has to say. What he has to teach. What she can learn. What she can discover by sitting and listening to him and what he's teaching that she might understand God better, and she might understand the world better, might understand herself better, might understand Christ better. She knows that he has the answers to all the big questions and the other things, even practical things, the things that need to be done on this occasion. They can wait. There's a time and a place for them. And at this moment, what she needs to be doing is listening and learning. 
and loving and being devoted to the Christ who has come into their home and into their community and to make sure she's got time for him and not just so busy hustling and bustling. Man can't live by bread alone. That's true. But no meal, no meal is more important than devouring the word of God. And that's Mary's priority on this occasion. She wants to feed on the word of God coming from the incarnate word of God. She's giving Jesus her time and her heart. And it might be that that attracts the criticism of Martha and maybe even others. Um, But Jesus himself defends her. He says, Mary's chosen the good part. Mary's done right. She's chosen the right thing. Her priorities are right tonight. Martha's service perhaps is temporal, but Mary's is eternal. And she wants, she's got an eternal perspective. And she wants to sit and she wants to learn from the Lord Jesus. It's a sense in which she's laying up treasures in heaven, isn't she? That won't be taken away from her. And I don't think the passage is saying so we all need to become monks or nuns or, and lock ourselves away in a cave somewhere and, and you know, read our Bibles for the rest of our lives. I don't think that's what it's saying at all. But it's saying there's a time and a place. And that, that should be the, the number one priority. And if we're putting activities and, and action ahead of an actual relationship with Christ in which the activities might be grounded, then we've got our priorities wrong. Christ comes first, always comes first. There's times when being too Mary-ish, if I can put it that way, um, if Mary only ever did what she's doing here, that could be as bad in its own context as being too Martha-ish. There's a balance that's needed. And I believe Martha and Mary both found that balance on other occasions we're we're looking at a particular passage here where Martha's got the balance wrong and Mary's got it right but I think that there's more to them than just this moment but we need to pray the Lord Lord give us balance give us wisdom that I might know a right how to serve how to demonstrate my love for you you love me you've given yourself for me I want to be devoted to your service equally Lord, teach me the wisdom, the balance needed to get these things right. And I say what we see of Mary elsewhere suggests that she she has a balance. What we see of Martha elsewhere tells us she has a balance. Mary's priority here is in taking the opportunity that she has. And it's, we know with hindsight... I don't know at what stage in Jesus' ministry this happens, but you know, it's, there's only a three-year window. So even if it's near the beginning, there's only three years of possible occasions like this where this could happen. And she's taken that opportunity while she has it, while it can still be had, to express her love and her devotion and to learn at the Master's feet and hear what she can while she can and I believe that would be a blessing to her at the same time I think on a very practical level we can learn that it's not scandalous for a woman to be sitting and listening and learning instead of in the kitchen you know, sometimes we lose that balance too don't we 
woman's place is at Jesus' feet, just as surely as it's in the kitchen. The gentleman's place is in the kitchen, as surely as it's in the sitting room, listening to the, the fellowship and the, the praise. There's a place for us all to be active in Jesus' service, and there's a place for us all to be devoted and devout and quiet and listening and learning and sharpening the tools of our mind and our soul as well as anything else. There's no place for sexism in the kingdom. But there's that place where we need to find the balance in all things. The balance in all things. Service, devotion, Bible, prayer, worship, fellowship, the Lord's Supper. There's many things we could be doing on a Saturday night than being in here and listening to the word of God there's many temptations out there there's relatively few of us have gathered here tonight when thousands all around us have found something different to do but there's a place isn't there and there's time for cultivating, growing our devotion to Christ to remember him, to remember his cross to remember what he's done to remember what he's sacrificed, to remember who he is, to remember what he's promised, to remember why he's done it, and to remember who he's done it for. He's done it for you and me, if we're his people. Sometimes it's hard to get that balance right, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to get the balance right, and we don't always we don't always get it right. And sometimes we're in a position where we're thinking, I don't know what the right balance is on this occasion. All I know is that when this particular occasion here, Mary chose the good portion that wouldn't be taken away from her. Maybe there's a a lesson simply to be learned there. If you're conflicted about, am I devoted enough to Christ? Or should I be doing more for Christ? And it becomes a kind of conflict. Perhaps this passage is saying maybe you need to err on the side of Mary. There's very few of us get accused of being too spiritual. Very few of us, I suspect, get accused of being too spiritual. There's a place to just sit at Jesus' feet and to love the Lord Jesus and to learn from him and to make sure that he's our focus, that he's our priority, that he's the one that's at the centre of our lives. Make sure that he comes first and the Lord's Supper gives us at least some kind of opportunity to do that, to focus afresh on him, to remember what he's done and why he's done it. Because if we're his people, then we're going to be part of that eternal Lord's Supper where we get to sit at his feet forever, which I believe is where Mary and Martha are even tonight as we gather here sitting at Jesus' feet and sitting there forever and loving and worshipping him and their devotion and their love for him completely unblemished and undimmed and eternal. May the Lord help us to be wise, devoted, loving servants of Jesus and all the more so for being able to sit at his table this weekend. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we pray enable us to be balanced in our spirituality and to have the balance of Mary here to love the Lord Jesus to sit metaphorically at your feet listening, worshipping, learning 
and at the same time as we have opportunity to express that love in the way we act, the way we serve in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, among our families and friends and neighbours. Lord, may we shine for the Lord Jesus, even as Mary shone on this occasion. May he be our all in all. May he be our focus this weekend. May your grace be upon us. Pardon every sin, we pray, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Our closing praise is in Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And at verse 4. One thing I'll plead before the Lord, and this I'll seek always, that I may come within God's house and dwell there all my days, that on the beauty of the Lord I constantly may gaze, and in his house may seek to know direction in his ways. Uh, Psalm 27, verses 4 to 8. We sing to God's praise.
And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.